We're beginning a new series. I'm going to be spending a few nights on Psalm 23. And one of the things that uh, I would like us to do is memorize Psalm 23 if you haven't memorized it. It's a great portion of scripture to know by heart. So I'll give you a week to work on it and then, uh, well, give you two weeks because Next Sunday is Fellowship Sunday, so we don't have evening service. So you get two weeks, if you don't know Psalm 23, to try to memorize it. And then I'd like to recite it at the beginning of each of our Sunday nights, as long as we're doing Psalm 23. Tonight is just an introduction. Uh, I will be going verse by verse through this psalm. But I wanted to begin by... An overview of the shepherd motif in scripture. You know I've been enjoying looking at scripture and uh, trying to integrate all of scripture in in these major themes of the Bible. And certainly one of the major themes of the scriptures is viewing God as a shepherd, then Jesus being the shepherd of the sheep, and then God giving elders who are to be shepherds of the flock. So there's a continuity, there's an integration, uh, there are lessons to be learned from these comparisons. And so tonight we're just going to take a, an overview of shepherding in the Word of God. So number one, God himself was the shepherd to his people. Psalm 23 verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Oh by the way, I have the ESV here, but I'd like us to memorize it out of the King James, uh, because that's what I memorized it out of. And, uh, but also, the, uh, if you read through this, you'll notice that the ESV and the King James are extremely close. Uh, because in the very, very famous, familiar passages, the translations tend to try to sound a lot like the King James, because that's what people know. Uh, so as you read through the ESV, it's going to read very cl- closely to the Uh, King James, but not exactly. So anyway, Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Again in Psalm 80, verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who led Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Psalm 77, verse 20. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Psalm 95, verse 7. For he is our God and we are his people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand, today if you hear his voice. These are just representative verses. There are a slew of verses that refer to God as our shepherd and we as his sheep. Secondly, David was himself a shepherd before he became king over Israel. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, we have the account of Samuel being sent to David's father in order to anoint the next king of Israel. So it says, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And uh, so he goes to the house And he greets Jesse, 
and says this. And he said, Peaceably I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for he will not sit down until he comes here. And he sent and brought him. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Anoint him, for this is he. David went from shepherding sheep to shepherding the nation of Israel. In uh, first, David was taken from the sheepfolds to shepherd Israel, Psalm 78, verse 70. He chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the nursing ewes. He brought him to shepherd Jacob, his people, Israel, his inheritance. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with a skillful hand. So the shepherding of the sheep of his father was actually preparatory for David's shepherding the flock of God as being king over Israel. There were lessons that were to be learned from his shepherding the sheep that were to be applied to his shepherding of the people of God. B. David was a good shepherd for he was willing to risk his life for the sheep. That is one major theme that I'm going to trace through the, the scripture. And that is that this, there's this consistent thought that a good shepherd is one who is willing to risk his life for the sheep that were entrusted to his care. So we begin with David. 1 Samuel 17, 32. And David said to Saul, this is the incident where uh, Goliath is coming out and challenging the armies of Israel. And David, of course, is going to stand up and be a defender uh, of God's honor. And here's the interaction that takes place between Saul and David as he's preparing himself to go to battle against Goliath. And David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go and, uh, against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Now, think about that for a moment. Here is David guarding the sheep, and if a lion or a bear would attack the sheep, he went after that lion or bear and actually took them out of 
the lion or bear's mouth. You know, the, 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 the most aggravated time for an animal is when they're eating. That's, you don't want to mess with animals while they are meeting. You certainly don't want to be taking food out of their mouths. And to think that David would risk his life for these sheep is pretty astounding. Uh, that's a pretty incredible mark of faithfulness, let alone the faith that's required to do that. But, but to think that he was willing to do that is pretty amazing. And then God helps him. Verse 35, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. So this God who gave me victory over lions and bears is going to be the same God who gives me victory over this Philistine. Verse 37, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. So David was made the shepherd king over Israel. Then all Israel gathered together to David at Hebron and said, Behold, we are your bone and flesh. In times past, even when Saul was king, it was you who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord your God said to you, You shall be shepherd of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over my people Israel. So there's this dual responsibility, if you will, to be a prince or a king, and at the same time to be a shepherd. And those were not incongruous. They, those were not antithetical to each other, but the imagery is quite unique, okay, that, that we would think of the kind of king that David was. He was to be a shepherd king, not just ruling over, but protecting, providing, nourishing, caring for the people of God. That becomes an important element through the scriptures, that this is the kind of leadership that is to be demonstrated. Uh, there is this to be this servant or shepherd kind of leadership that's always to be manifested in the people that are entrusted to the leader. Four, the Messiah was to be a shepherd to his people. Micah 5 verse 2, but you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you who are little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. <clears throat> verse 4, and he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord. This is a prophecy of the coming Messiah. He is to rule over the people, but he is to be a shepherd to his flock, having strength from the Lord. In the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And the prophecy of Micah, of course, is applied to Jesus at Jesus' birth, Matthew chapter 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star when it rose and came to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. 
And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And of course we all know then that Jesus refers to himself as a good shepherd. He is a good shepherd because he's willing to give his life for the sheep. That was the nature of being a good shepherd. A good shepherd is one that would risk his life for the benefit of the sheep. Exemplified in David, exemplified in Jesus. Verse uh, 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. So he makes a distinction between the good shepherd and the bad shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and the bad shepherd, when he sees danger approaching, flees. Doesn't want anything to do with guarding these sheep. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. So a bad shepherd will not be willing to risk his life for the well-being of the sheep. Verse 13. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. He's in it only for the money. Uh, He isn't concerned about the welfare of the sheep. Jesus is not merely a good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. So the definite article here is an elative use of that article, meaning that he is the best good shepherd. Of all the good shepherds you can think of, Jesus ranks supreme. And not only is it an elative use, but it's also a definitive use. He is the good shepherd. He is the shepherd that is being talked about in the Old Testament. He is the one of whom is prophesied in the book of Micah. He is the one of whom David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He's that shepherd, is what Jesus is saying. Uh, C. Uh, I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. My sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I did down my life that I may take it up again. Six, God promised to provide his people with good shepherds. Jeremiah 3.15, And I will give you shepherds after my own heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. In the book of Jeremiah, The shepherd theme runs strong. Uh, It begins by rebuking the shepherds of the nation of Israel uh, for their lack of care for the people of God. They failed to instruct. They failed to teach. They failed to warn. They failed to protect. They are going into exile. It's the shepherd's fault. He did not keep and guard the flock. In the middle of Jeremiah, the 
the, the admonition is you get the shepherd you deserve. <laughs> Uh, because of the people and their rebelliousness and going their own way, God gave them these shepherds that were inadequate and who didn't really care for the flock. But he said, but I will give you shepherds after my own heart. I'm going to provide you with under shepherds that will act in my interest, in my behalf. Number seven. Jesus is the chief shepherd, and the elders are to be under shepherds. Uh, we think about elders, and uh, oftentimes we, we think about elders in terms of their rule. But again, there's not to be a dichotomy uh, between the ruling and uh, the shepherding. Um, sometimes we make a distinction and refer to ruling elders and teaching elders. Uh, sometimes we refer to the pastors, and we think of that as this formal position of which I am one, the term pastor literally means shepherd. Uh, but in the word of God, the elders are shepherds also. And so all of the elders are to act uh, as under shepherds. So A, the elders are not to act like hired shepherds. First Peter 5.1. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder, so Peter is including himself in this. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not by compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly. You see, it's the imagery of the hired shepherd. You are not to be in this for the money. You are not to be in this for what you can get out of it. This is not a means for you to fleece the flock. But you are to be caring for the flock. You're to be providing for the flock. You're to be feeding the flock. You're to be tending the flock. You are to be caring for the flock. Verse 3, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. This example of being a shepherd leader. B, the elders are under shepherds who are responsible to Jesus who is the chief shepherd. Verse 4, and when the chief shepherds appear, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So he is the ultimate shepherd. We are under shepherds. C, however, some elders will not only fail to guard the sheep against wolves, but will themselves become wolves and prey upon the sheep. Acts 20, 28 and 32. This is at the end of uh, the Apostle Paul's ministry. Uh, he has called the elders of Ephesus to come and meet with him because he's not going to be traveling to Ephesus again. So these are Paul's parting words to the elders at Ephesus. This is the charge that he gives to them, knowing that he will never see them in person again. So these are the words to the elders at Ephesus. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which you obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure fierce wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock. So there are going to be dangers. There are going to be people that come in and they're going to be like these, these fierce wolves 
They're going to come to devour. They're going to come to hurt. They're going to come to take advantage of the sheep. So you have to be on guard and fight against these, these wolves that are going to come in. But not only that, he says this. Verse 30. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Not only are there going to be wolves that come from without, but they're going to become wolves from within. These shepherds aren't going to be acting like shepherds at all. They're going to be acting like the wolves. They are going to be as far from being a shepherd as one can get. Moving from shepherding to wolving, if you will, to be a predator uh, against the sheep. Verse 31, therefore be alert, stand on guard, watch, do your duty. What a shepherd was to do was to stand guard. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Peter, though he had fled at the time of the trial of Jesus, is to shepherd God's people and give his life for the sheep. So this Peter, who had proven to be unfaithful, is now going to be made a shepherd of the sheep. And in John chapter 21, there is a, a direct correlation. Three times, Peter is going to be asked of Jesus, do you love me? This is the resurrected Jesus. This is after Jesus has been crucified, resurrected, and uh, he comes to the shore. Peter's been out fishing, and now Jesus appears to, to Peter and commissions him again for this work of shepherding the people of God. But he begins by questioning Peter three times, do you love me? In fact, uh, though it says three times in the English, do you love me? Actually, in the Greek, it moves, do you love me? Do you love me? And then the third one is, do you even like me? <laughs> uh, where is the sincerity here, Peter? Okay, And it's the opportunity for Peter to identify with Jesus in a way in which previously he had disowned Christ. When before he was unwilling to identify with Christ, now he has this opportunity to identify with Christ. But notice what Jesus says to him. A, Peter is to care for God's sheep despite having forsaken Jesus. The three denials that Peter knew the Lord are replaced with three expressions of his love for the Lord. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. 
That was Peter's ultimate responsibility. Care for my sheep. And having said that, you are to care for my sheep. Notice what happens next. B. Peter will in fact give his life for the sheep. John 21, 18 and 19. Truly, truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This is referring to the crucifixion that Peter himself is going to have to endure. Verse 19. This he said to show what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So when he tells Peter that you need to care for my sheep, he tells Peter, you're going to die in this care of my sheep. You are going to fulfill the role of a good shepherd. Moving on. The angel appeared to shepherds to take the news to the people. Uh, it's an interesting quandary as to why God would appear to the shepherds. Uh, it's often been noted in commentaries that uh, the shepherds were not the best witness. Uh, in Roman courts of law, uh, a shepherd was not allowed uh, to testify. Uh, they had such a reputation uh, that uh, they weren't allowed to, as I say, bear witness in a court of law in Rome. Uh, they were, their, uh, their word was questionable. And so commentators have asked the question, why would God choose shepherds to bear witness to the declarations of the angels when their reputation was one of being unreliable? Well, I submit to you that it fits very well with this whole theme of the role of the shepherd. A, note that these shepherds are guarding their sheep during the night when the angel appears to them. In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Okay, so these were good shepherds. They were not asleep. <clears throat> they were diligent. They were out. They were with their sheep. And they were alert all of which the Bible wants us to note. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and honor of peace among those with whom he is pleased. B, the shepherds leave the sheep and tell the good news to others. It was so important that they were willing to leave their sheep unguarded. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing which has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. The scripture presents them as going in a group. All the shepherds that were there, that were guarding the sheep, decided that they were going to go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass. That is 
extraordinary in the culture. Okay, these sheep, these shepherds, are going to leave these sheep unattended, unguarded. The prey could easily come upon these sheep. Now, the text doesn't tell us more than that. But I think we can deduce some things. One is, they certainly viewed this as important. Uh, they thought that they needed to be going to Bethlehem and making known what was made known. So, so we see the importance of sharing the gospel, of all the responsibilities. There's no greater responsibility than we have than letting people know that a Savior has been born. For this is not just good news for you, but for all men. Well, we need to regard the gospel the same way. It's not just good news for us, it's good news for everybody, and we ought to share it. Again, the text doesn't say it, but I think that the shepherds anticipated the Lord's protection of the sheep. I believe that they anticipated that this miraculous event happened, and God was certainly able to care for the sheep, although that's not said. What is told us is verse 17 that's underlined. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that has been told them concerning this child. And the shepherds returned to the sheep. Verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen has been told to them. So the shepherds did not totally neglect their duty. They did not totally disregard their charge, their responsibility. They head back, presumably the same night, and now continue to care for the sheep that have been entrusted to them. And then tenthly, we are to rejoice and give thanks for the shepherding care of God. We are to rejoice in the shepherding care of God. Psalm 100. I don't know why I didn't put verse 1 there, but verse 1 is, Make a joyful noise in the Lord, all ye lands. Next, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God, and he is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Okay, that's the great news. We are the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. He's a good shepherd. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. That's what we expect from a shepherd. To be good. To be steadfast. To continue to watch over. Continue to care for. And we're to give thanks for the shepherding care of God. Psalm 79 verse 13. But we are people, the sheep of your pasture, will give thanks to you forever. So as you think about Psalm 23, and as we enter into this psalm, it is to be a reason for joy and thanksgiving. To think that, Psalm 23 verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. And then the King James says, I shall not want. Uh, as the ESV translation, I shall have no lack, which is a good translation. It means I am not going to be needful of anything because the shepherd is going to take care of me. 
And then the rest of the psalm talks about God's care of his people, his provision, his protection, etc. We have a shepherd, and that shepherd is God. And God in his goodness has given us under shepherds. And we have a responsibility to shepherd the way that God shepherds. We are to give account, and we are to be an example of that shepherding of God. As it says in Peter, not for filthy lucre's sake, not because we're hired, not because we're paid to, but because we care for the sheep. Because we are concerned that we glorify God. That's the background to Psalm 23. I'll start going verse by verse in two weeks. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that you are our shepherd. We thank you for the good shepherd who came to rescue us, to deliver us from our sin. We thank you for his willingness to lay down his life for us. Lord, we're thankful for his supreme example. And uh, Lord, I pray you would help us in our shepherding others, in our care for others, even as we shepherd our families. Uh, Lord, help us to be good shepherds, modeling that of God himself. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. And